Okay, good. Jackson? Dun, dun, yes. Okay, good. It's episode 41. I just said that, right? It's 40 uh, wonderful. Yes. <sighs> 40, go fuck yourself, Jackson. <laughs> that's, that's good. I like that. I like how that definitely works. <laughs> All right. I'm not here to play along. I'm here to get shit done. 40, one more time. Let's go. Welcome to Abnormal Mapping. I'm your host, M, and with me is regular co-host Jackson. Hello. And other regular co-host Destiny. Hello. Being othered. Yeah, yeah just as usual. To... I mean, we've already made that joke before, Making so I'm glad that Go we're always point it out. treading ground. This is episode 41. I would have facts, but Jackson has ruined my ability to uh, create facts for our episode by recording episodes that don't involve me. Jackson, why did you do this? Because uh, I had to some way justify all the time and effort I spent playing Metal Gear for five months. Isn't Metal Gear its own reward? Yes, that's actually true. Well, until to a point. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, you well, can check the first episode of that out on abnormalmapping.com. Or, you know, if you're subscribed to the RSS or something, you've already got it. already got it. It's me and Corey I haven't Milne. listened to it. I'm I, At the time of this recording, it's not out yet. I haven't listened to it. Nope. I'm very excited. It's, yeah, me and Corey Mill. Uh, next month is me and Heather Alexandra. Month after that is me and uh, Cameron Kunzelman. These are good And then cast. who knows what could happen? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> the future is unknown. <laughs> it's unhinged. <laughs> So how's everybody doing on uh, this? Here it's freezing cold. It's like four degrees, and that's before the wind. This cold winter January morn. Uh, it's the same over here. It's four degrees as well, but I think we use a different scale, so we're fine. <laughs> yeah, my four degrees is radically colder than your four degrees. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing all right. It's the weekend. I had a coffee, and the person said that my sh- uh, jacket was cool, and I was like, yeah. Is your jacket cool? No, it's just, okay. a jacket. it's just a leather jacket. I don't see think I has a cool, particularly cool jacket. Like you don't how... have like pins or something on it? No. Oh, get some flair. Live your life. I shall. I think I shall. your jacket sounds cool. It's a leather jacket. It's all right. How is it? It not? does okay. It does okay. It gets the job done. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. I need to wash my jacket. It's kind of a uh, grody, but I don't want to take all the pins off because I'm lazy. Mm-hmm. That's what happens when you have pins. Then it's a whole process. You mean badges, right? You, you mean badges? Yeah. What yeah, you call pins? Buttons? Yeah. Buttons? <laughs> badges? I'm like, so for me, it's weird because like a button to me implies like the really big ones, and the pins are the like the inch long ones, and that's only because that's what they're called in uh, the world ends with you. So I got that name from video games. Okay. I learned that from watching video games. Yeah, that's that's where I learned most things in the world. Yep. I learned my geopolitics from Call of Duty and how to sex ladies from Mass Effect. Well, uh, it cuts to black tastefully. 
That's what I do. That's what I do. (laughs) (laughs) At some point, like, you're in the foreplay section, and then you just reach over and you turn off the light. And then you whisper, sometime later. (laughs) And then you get, like, a a card. No, that's The Witcher. Sorry, I'm getting my sex and confused. Well, uh, I've started a petition to bring sex and cards to reality. Man, that'd be so great. I the problem is if you gamify sex, people are going to have way more uh, probably unprotected, unhealthy sex than they do now. I, th- I think some apps have already been working on gamifying sex. I think they've already beat you to it. They've already gamified yeah, but I don't dating. But yeah, no, sex I mean, would be weird because then, like, yeah, they would be like, you get an achievement if you do this one act. <laughs> <laughs> we know we know what actor talking about. The it's the, you know the it's one. the one. It's the one. Meatloaf will never get the achievement for. Yep, that's, cool the, that's a deep cut for the long time listeners. It's the deepest of cuts. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, Destiny, how are you doing? I'm okay. I feel like I don't know how to sleep anymore. Hmm. Well, you know. I wasn't I wasn't looking for an honest answer. I was looking for something entertaining. Oh, uh <laughs> I can't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, relatable jokes. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. ho ho. Um, so what's everybody been playing that isn't part of this podcast? Jackson, you've probably I know what you've done. What have I done? You've gotten real deep into the video game representations of already boring sports. What have I done? Oh shit, I remember. I forgot that I spent about seven hours playing pool. Is it only been seven hours? It feels like it's been months. <laughs> yeah, I, it's only been like four days since I, I know, but... started playing pool. I basically played it for two evenings and then was like, that's enough of this. Because the pool got too hard. It, I can't beat the harder opponents because they're just really good at pool and I'm not. But Pure Pool is the best pool video game ever made. I don't know if that's a high bar, but I like it. It's, you just do the pool. There is no action in uh, many things that feels as good as just pushing the cue stick to hit the ball. In lieu of a good golf game for the PlayStation 4, this is what we've got. Because, I mean, it's not as good as Tiger, but what is? Uh, I guess that's fair. In terms of just, here's a sports movement on the right stick. Uh, yeah, I guess you're right. That's Yeah, that is that is what Tiger is. Yep, it's Tiger and Skate, and they're never coming back. <laughs> um, well, I mean, they're EA's making golf games. You just don't want to play them. That's true. Next press conference, Tiger Woods skateboards in. High they'll make another fight night. <laughs> they will never make another fight night. Yeah, well, they're making UFC games. <sighs> Sorry, did I did I bum everyone out? Is that what happened? <laughs> you bummed me out specifically. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, I don't the- care. That's what I've been playing. Pop okay, not much. What did everyone else doing? Uh, I'm playing. I'm. I played The Witcher in eight days. The Witcher. The Witcher. And now I'm into The Witcher two. Even though I said I was going to take several months off, I was like, nope. I'm just going to play The Witcher two instead. Yep. <laughs> I bought a Witcher book. You watched. I watched the- a few <laughs> minutes of the Witcher TV series. Yep. <laughs> uh, you're in too deep. Did you, you really? Yep. What, yeah. What's that like? Is it animated? No, no, it's 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 two, from 2002. It's Polish. It looks like they had zero dollars to make it because it's mainland Europe television. Uh, not to like denigrate it, but you know, it's just not TV like we're used to. Was it popular? 
the the mm. show. So the show came after a movie that I guess made enough money to justify a TV show. So maybe. <laughs> I mean, The Witcher has clearly already had a audience in Poland. Yeah. Uh, I was the first few minutes of that show. It seemed all right because it was clearly drawing from a cool universe. Yeah, but then the minute that like someone has to pull out a sword and fight like a fake <laughs> monster, it all falls apart. The, the, it begins with Geralt the Witcher trying to uh, kill this implied-to-be massive sea monster by walking through a tiny puddle swamp and then cutting a single like puppet in half with just shaky cam everywhere. It's the most 2001 TV thing you've ever seen. So that exists. I'm not going to watch that, but I am going to keep playing The Witcher. Apparently, like, maybe at some point I'll talk about The Witcher at length, but it won't be here. The Witcher's really cool. I hope that third game is not as exhausting as it sounds, but it probably is. Yep. I I might find out this year. We'll see. You will definitely find out this year. There's don't, no way you don't get Jackson, this year. I have so many other games to play. I know, but look, you were like, I'm not going to buy The Witcher 2. I'm not going to play The Witcher 2. And then... A day later, you already behold. installed it yeah. and started it before finishing the other stuff you had on your plate. Mm. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Destiny, have you been playing anything interesting? Nope, just the Game Club game. I've uh, been too busy trying to listen to every David Bowie recording. Mm, you should play Omicron the Nomad Soul. I did that. see that that was free on the internet from the people that made it square i mean square owns it now (laughs) i don't think square made it i don't think they made it but anyway yeah they recently in light of mr bowie's passing they uh offered it for free now i'm thinking of like the possibility of like square like actual rpg maker square going to david bowie and being like be in an rpg and that sounds like magic i'm sure he would have been down for it he was pretty cool with just putting I don't know, he just seemed like the kind of person that liked that kind of stuff. Just yeah, very mm-hmm. open minded about technology. I'm a yeah, so, soul yeah, he's the in that Davids. David Cage game yep. and his music's in it. <laughs> yeah, no, it begins with a it begin I've played the opening, it but just begins with a David Bowie song and shots of the city. Yeah, it's a really great song actually, weirdly. Mm-hmm. Oh, he, David Bowie song is good. He took the <laughs> lyrics and took the video game references out of them and released it on a different album. <laughs> Oh, so like Base Hunter. If you don't want all the references to Omnicron in it, mm-hmm. you can listen to uh, New Angels of Promise. Mm-hmm. It's pretty That's funny. a good song title as well. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a good time. Good Bowie. Good but yeah, Bowie. no, I, I uh, started replaying Link's Awakening, which is a game from my childhood that I have yet to actually finish and this time i'm gonna do it up i'm gonna like play with a guide and everything and i'm gonna get it done i'm just make it happen i am so tired of having half finished zelda games in my life (laughs) like this is a problem i've had for a long time (laughs) understandable (laughs) yeah uh speaking of half finished zeldas jackson Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you want from me? 
Nothing. Your mom's Nothing. a half finished Zelda. What was that? I don't... <laughs> by, by the time this is going up, you will be deep into your uh, not finished Zelda Two playthrough. I mean, I was always clear that I wasn't going to oh, try to I finish know. Zelda Two. I'm, I'm just making life hard for you. Uh, Zelda Two is a cool game. I don't have the time to truly bash my head against it till I win, but it's a cool thing, and I enjoy it a lot. And you can watch me play that for about twenty lives, and then go, "Yep, nope, this is too much. I'm going to move on to Link to the Past soon." Yeah, I mean, you saw what what was cool in that game. Yes, no, it's cool. I think it's really good, uh, but yep. it's just too hard to approach in a modern context without dedicating too much time to it, which I can't afford. Yeah, are you doing Link to the Past as just a normal Let's Play? Probably. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. You don't die as much in that. <laughs> I mean, you can if you're bad, but... I was I bad. probably would be. I, I too am bad. But then you go long stretches where you wouldn't die, and then you just have hour-long episodes, and nobody wants that. No, no, no. I enjoyed it while I played it. I was just bad at it. Uh, so yeah, that's it. Uh, we before we move on to segment two, we have inductees to the reading list. Jackson, break out the guitar. No, don't do that. <laughs> it's, it's over there. I don't have the guitar on me anymore. I put it away so I wouldn't be tempted to fiddle with the guitar during the podcast recording. That would be the worst thing you could ever do. <laughs> I know. You're a monster. That's why I moved it. Good. I'm glad that you know that. I'm the like. I have to do things with my hands. So we're inducting three things into the reading list? I guess. Unless Destiny has something extra. No, not this week. Month. Okay. This month. This month. Uh, it's secretly this week, but let's not tell people how the sausage is made. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Jackson, what do you have first? Uh, I have a podcast called Psychology of Video Games, which I've listened to three episodes of now. They uh, take... Let me actually get the name of the guy who runs it. Uh, but they... Uh, take some topics about psychology and video games and generally interview researchers and workers from universities around the world or like organizations and stuff uh, about what uh, work is being done with psychology and video games. It's run by uh, Jamie Madigan, who is a, some academic in, in that field. And so, yeah, it's a credibly academic podcast, but it's also really accessible. It does a good job of breaking that stuff down and showing a different like a variety of views of of things it's not just this is why games are good or this is why games are bad it's an actual interesting discussion and look at a a variety of topics i think it's really cool i think it's a cool podcast comes out every month there's about 10 episodes now and it's going on the list do we need like a musical sting for the list i think like a car twang like it's going on the list Yes, I will put the air horn in. Drop a bomb. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's too dumb. So I uh, am inducting the podcast Friends at the Table. Uh, no, don't. Okay. Which uh, you uh, you say, hey, that's not about video games at all. And I'm like, well, you know, listen. It's got Austin Walker, who is the best video games person in existence right now. Uh, who it, it is his uh, tabletop world uh, role playing podcast. Uh, they 
they run they've run two games so far in the podcasts uh i'm in the first one still called it's a dungeon world game uh and he dms with a bunch of people i think they have rotating chairs so i couldn't tell you who else was on it um but it's really good it it focuses mostly on like world building and characterization stuff so it's a lot of like is it possible for these people with a high enough role to get rid of their like deep-seated racial tensions and what that would represent in the world uh and the conversations that come out of playing when really smart people play role-playing games. It's really good. It made me think about world-building a lot. It's mm-hmm. probably why I started playing The Witcher, actually. Nice. nice. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, really good. Dusty, I'm going to let you talk about our last inductee, uh, which is Monster Factory. Oh, dear. How? Where <laughs> to begin? All right, so... Justin and Griffin McElroy of Polygon, and also the Maximum Fun podcast, My Brother, My Brother. Nope, that's not about video games at all. I'm trying to intro this. Why are you interrupting me? All right. (laughs) Uh, They um, also um, do videos on Polygon, and Monster Factory is a series in which Justin and Griffin... Uh, <laughs> play with character creators and um, it's mostly about you know well making the most grotesque beings you can make in a character precious creator. children precious children uh, <laughs> the reason why I'm laughing is because it's really hard to describe without talking about all the silly weird avenues it goes into like there's just a lot of storylines written around the gross characters and lovingly created beings and um so far there are i believe 10 episodes of monster factory uh that sounds about right it might be a little uh, right right around 10 10 11 i don't know uh and they've done character creators from uh let's see skyrim elder scrolls They've done what was that Fallout? Which one was that? All of them. They've well, done all they the did, Fallout yeah. character creators. Well, they did Fallout three and four, and they did um, Oblivion and Skyrim. And that Ark game. Yep. And, and the Sims. Oh yes, and the Sims and Second Life, and most recently, Black Desert Online. Yes. So if you like to laugh, and believe me, you will. <laughs> uh, check that out, and I'll, you know. Also, if you just like watching cool videos about video games, I I think aside from the comedic value of Monster Factory, it's a nice way to like look into how how uh, these things have kind of become their own little game. Like, (laughs) what kind of character can you make? Can you make it look just like you? Can you make it look just like Bart Simpson? You know, it's Monster just like Fact- Bart. It's just like Bart. A monster factor like answers these questions and many more. Yeah, it's a cool thing, and it's going and- on the list. <laughs> <laughs> Jackson, Jackson. No, that's our that's our thing now. The reason that we are inducting that one specifically this episode is because. Uh, it ties into our segment two, which now that we're done with all of the housekeeping, we can actually talk about. I just want to thank you for no-selling that. Yeah, no, that's my job.
So we're back for segment two. Sorry about that taking so long. I was crying laughing at the Pink Panther 2006 movie. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we're here today to talk about character creators, in part because of Monster Factory, in part because of my experience with friends at the table and thinking about like when you can just design whatever character you want, what do you design? Uh, but it's a thing that I think uh, everybody like has opinions about in games and everyone enjoys. Uh, and I feel like we are a group that is suited to talk about these things because we all kind of want separate things, but like important things about our character creators. Um, so I, I guess I'm going to go first as a lifelong person who played ladies in video games when I had the chance, even though at the time I was like, I identify as a guy, but I'm going to play these ladies and not in like the, I want to look at a pretty lady kind of thing, mm-hmm. but in the, I would like to be the pretty lady kind of thing. Uh, and for me, like the gender possibilities of character creators in games that otherwise would totally default to a male protagonist has always been the big draw of being able to create characters. I want to create a cute lady with some cute hair who can look awesome and do cool things. And that, that's always what I've aspired to find in character creators. Mm-hmm. Uh, Destiny, you probably have your own views on what you want out of character creators. Oh, yeah. I, I want to be able to make them black. That's the main one. <laughs> yep. Which it seems like a small ask, yeah. but it took Animal Crossing a long time to get there. Right. Yeah, I just want to make them... Like, and also I really like having hair unnatural hair choices that's a big thing like my own hair is just like a very very dark brown but if i can make him look like a cute little black anime girl i'm the happiest i just i don't know i feel like i mean it was i remember being surprised when you could make ladies like that being like the rarity and now it's like well what what race can you make them uh cat people you can make them cat people you're into that no no judgment no judgment safe space I, I had the moment just now where I can't remember what the cat people are in Elder Scrolls. Kashyyyk. I almost said Kashyyyk, but I know whoa, Kashyyyk is not right. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> it's Khajiit. It's Khajiit, right? yeah. Yes. Time Kashyyyk out. is something else entirely. Yeah. Cat people. <laughs> yep. I, I would not call Wookiees cat people. No, that would be really racist. That not only is that racist, but it's an insult to Wookiees. I thought you were gonna say cats. Aren't they like they're more like bears, right? I would I would say they're like monkeys. Really? Yeah. Mm, okay. I would I not mean, they presume have, they have, to project. They have they have opposable thumbs. Yeah, but they, I, I, they, they their appearance to me is so bear like. That's just because they have long hair. I bet Wookiees are really spindly when you get down to it. If you shaved a Wookiee. Right. It's being Googled. Yeah. Shaven, wo- shaven Wookiee. It's a little odd, isn't it? Shaven Wookiee Limited is shavenwookie.com. I don't 
You should just do shaved Wookie because no one says shaven. Yeah, but in that's what I thought. That I, I found out that shavenwookie.com is a real website, so. Uh, well. Don't click on that. Your Google history. Think of your Google history. This yeah, is just going to be lemon party all over again. <laughs> shavenwookie.com. Oh, God, I didn't know you could do yeah. that. Yep. Lots of people asking, what does a shaved Wookie look like? Is there a good illustration somewhere? No, there's lots of people joking, but there is no true answer. It has not been made canon. I'm surprised. I know. I mean, what a, I mean, I'm sure alopecia can happen in wiki communities. When I, I want my character creators to allow me to create shaven wikis. <laughs> I think that's a big ask. Uh, I, but they've got they've got kind of like the like they've got like the I don't know like they 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 have mustaches. Like, Chewbacca has a mustache on top of just having a furry face, right? I guess yeah. so. I never really thought He totally does. No, he d- mm. I guess he does. It, it yes. seems different depending on the picture. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Maybe those are the Chewbacca things. is a, a fur man with a mustache. He doesn't look like any animal. He just looks like a man who's put some hairy fursuit on him. Well, I mean, that's accurate. <laughs> Though, he a hair suit. He, he does not look like a man in a fursuit. That's, that's something else that's entirely. That's true. That's a different You know what I meant. It would be so much better if Chewbacca looked like a man in a fursuit. <laughs> <laughs> Star Wars would be in a much healthier place. Would it? I would like it more. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Jackson, t- tell us about your experience with the character creators. What are you looking for? Uh, I'm similar to you in that I was always like, I'm going to play as cute girl. Uh, the current best game for that is Destiny, which is the best. I'm just creating cute cyberpunk girl and going to be a cute cyberpunk girl. And then you have to play a first-person shooter, so it becomes less cool after the character creator screen. But that's a large part of that game's appeal. Uh, and it, yeah, I don't know. I uh, don't tend to project onto character creators as much. Like, I do it a little bit, and I definitely do it. But all of my, uh, like, gender experiences in games have mostly been through games in which you happen to be playing as a woman. Rather than hmm. uh, when you, like, I'm, I, I tend to see creative characters as just blank slates that are me, no matter what I create. I I guess when I think of like character creator that uh, like the ones that I think of I think of like your mass effects and your fallouts and you can be female characters in those games and the fact that the world doesn't really change to me is like a really important part of that experience where I get to project myself as this uh, like other form but don't like it's clearly not like coded that way mm-hmm. and like, I think, like, to me, that's an important part of, oh, like, yeah. experiencing this world. I'm not saying it's not uh, important. I'm saying that when I, like, my personal way of generally, my relation to gender in games has been through. Like, I remember playing Beyond Two Souls. That was, gave me big gender feels for some reason. Because apparently my idea, my, like, version of myself in, in my head is just Alan Page and Beyond Two Souls. That's, yeah, it's weird because that game didn't do that for me in that, like, I just saw that as another person who I was, like, in charge of. Like, it was like, this is, like, my daughter, and I want to see her well. Aww, no, me too. It, was speci- it was specifically the scene with uh, on the train where she's just 
like the gray t-shirt and the plaid shirt just moaning around on a train. I'm like, oh, that's just me. This is just me and how I see myself in my head. This is weird. Uh, that and... But then you didn't have to get off the train and like murder a bunch of federal agents, you right? You know me. <laughs> I mean, you take a lot of photos. I feel like you would have taken a selfie like standing on a pile of bodies by now. That's true. Well, it is angled upwards. That's true. That's true. You wouldn't know. Uh, I feel like you should maybe think about this next time. Okay. <laughs> next time I stand on a pile of bodies of federal agents. We don't actually have federal agents over here. You have, like, those guards with the hats, right? Yeah, they're definitely professional law enforcement officers. <laughs> That's in tons of percent what they are. <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, I have been known to have fun with character creators in the past. I mostly just use them as cool design templates. More than anything. I remember having a lot of fun with the... Um, City of Heroes one, where you could just make your own superhero. I just made a thousand superheroes and then never played the game. <laughs> uh, speaking of similar games in terms of developers, also the Star Trek Online character creator yes! just allows you not only to make the various races of Star Trek, but then put them in a uniform you get to design. And designing Star Trek uniforms is the greatest possible game you could ever create. I don't about... even need to go fly a ship. Let's talk about white uniforms. White uniforms are the way to go. I understand why you wouldn't. You, it's, it'd be impossible to keep clean, but man, do white uniforms look good. Just look so at the good. DS9 dress they're uniforms. So good. They're the best thing. They're the greatest Star Trek uniform that's ever existed. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. They're just space tuxedos. Like, how could you not love that? Oh, wow. That oh, you've nice. not seen them yet, have you, Destiny? No, 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 no. no, no. Oh. You can find her a picture. They're really good. We will link a picture on the blog for those of you who haven't seen the uh, DS9 dress uniforms but yeah they're from late seasons DS9 because they had the other ones beforehand yes oh right yeah it's not till they get the grey uniforms that they get that dress uniform it's actually later than that but I'm just gonna tip my glasses okay. um they... The Sims is another one where <laughs> yes yes the you Sims. can get really deep into like just making people for the sake of making them and not playing the game so, my experience with The Sims, and I'm kind of a Sims neophyte, uh, and we'll talk about that sometime, maybe this year, maybe not, uh, is I love the fact that you, like, not only do you design your character, but you design outfits for different occasions. Mm-hmm. Like, this is my going to work clothes. These are my at the beach clothes. Mm-hmm. The thing I hate about The Sims is so much of, like, the clothing and character design options are locked behind buying a thing. Not a it's lot like, of them. But, I mean, well, tons of them, actually, but, like, not in the, like in the Sims Three. If you want hair, like hairstyles that are not white people hairstyles, you need to pay money. There's a couple of braids in there. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know but there's right, also a right. pack of expanded options. I shouldn't defend it. Oh, that, like that Sim stuff gets way grosser when it ties into whether you can create characters that look like you. Yeah, because mm-hmm. if it was just clothes and like I knew items and stuff were behind paywalls because they started that hard with the Sims Three and Sims Four, it's only become even more ludicrous. But yeah, that's awful. Yeah. And um there's an article that will that I'll find in link that was talking about mobile games where like even getting to the option in games that don't have character creators but have like chosen characters to be like the female character mm-hmm. often would come with a premium price or you'd have to unlock it or something. Uh like there's a cost in a lot of games to being a character who is not a white dude. Yep. And sometimes that is an effort cost and sometimes that's an actual pay us money. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, uh, the first time I ever found a game where I could make a, char- a black character that looked 
like good as a black character uh, because oftentimes it had been really embarrassing was Mass Effect. Mm-hmm. My Shepherd is a black lady and she looked awesome. Uh, because normally it's like, oh, we, we just changed the skin tone, but now the hair options work and the facial options are not robust enough to look like anything other than a white person in brown face. My... Uh, I have... Go on. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, it depends on the love or like, well, The Sims 3. I feel like my Sims 3 characters look great, but like, yeah, The Sims of the past were like, just painted white people. <laughs> yeah. Nope. And I've, I've watched people do Let's Plays of The Sims where they, like, uh, there was this girl who was like, I wanted to make everyone look Asian like me, but The Sims actually makes it really hard to make Asian eye structures. Really? Well, because yeah. The Sims eye structures is specifically a cartoonish, like, stylish thing in The Sims. The it like forces that in a way it doesn't force other parts of the anatomy to look like Sims way. Wow. Uh, it's also really hard to create characters in games that aren't like slim. Uh, yep. I was about to say in the Sims you can make bigger people. Yeah, yep. you can, but I've always I don't know I'm not a big fan of it. Uh, the actual winner of if you want a nice fat protagonist is Saints Row. Yes. Oh yeah, where yes. the sliders like not only can you just make just about any kind of person you want to be, but the sliders for like you can just have fat protagonist who is awesome, and like the way that it like they carry it, like they clearly design the body to like yep. move differently and look differently. Because that's the thing for me that always uh, makes me feel weird is they just look like a normal body model, but that's been stretched a bit and it doesn't. Yep. Stretched a bit. And then they don't like the walk cycle doesn't change. Oh. And they just like, like they have these huge tumors yeah. on their like core, but like their arms are the same size. Like, okay. You know, I get like, what you're saying. Cause I was gonna say, I've made yeah. some nice little chubby pear shaped Sims, but okay. I see what you're saying. It's totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I would like to see more games that allow positive portrayals of fat people. Because, come on. Come on. Yep. Yeah. Not like, uh, it's hard to do, you know? Also, your slider should not be thin. Like, it shouldn't be the triangle of thin, muscular, and fat. Yeah! Like, let me make someone who looks like a weightlifter, where they are huge, but, like, both muscle and fat. Mm. Uh-huh. True. Character creators, like, really reveal the sheer limited uh, sense of what is portrayed as normal bodies because mm-hmm. only like the, the tiniest fraction because you think oh, okay well you can't do like the perception is like okay so you can make uh like even within the broad spectrum of say average looking white dudes which you would think of as oh games can do that even like that is actually a far broader thing than can be precisely conveyed through most character creators the what they allow is so shockingly narrow uh, yeah that it's like when you think about it, it's just like man like, just make different body. Like, can you make a lanky person yep. who just has really long limbs? Can you make someone who's short, but only because, like, their legs are short, like, uh, but the rest of them look fine? I can you make have... someone with one leg? Can you make someone with one mm-hmm. arm? Uh, yeah, like, not even incorporating that stuff. That stuff isn't in games at all. No, like, like, just period. I remember, so I always struggled creating myself in games when I was younger, because, well, often the hair was wrong, and I have a very different... I, I have, like, like, a really round face structure that isn't usually portrayed. And I'm, like... When it comes to body types, and I like, I'm like, uh, I'm putting on a lot heavier than a lot of people, but like, I am not a out there, uh, I'm not out there, I'm not outside of what would be considered like, uh, privilege in terms of body type. So the fact that even I can't create my, like, even I'm unsatisfied when it comes to body, uh, character creators reveals how limited these systems are in most games. And I'm glad that it feels like they're starting to get better. 
Because uh, yep. I've but seen it, people talk about the Fallout 4 one as being really, really good. But, like, the face stuff is good, but the body stuff is still the same triangle. Yes. Like, you get that stuff and that's it. But it's weird to me that even with, like, its incredibly limited option set, the character creator that still is, like, one of the most expressive and you can create the most biggest range of people is the me character creator. Like, you can make me's of almost anybody in any body type and they'll look okay. Like, they're abstract enough that you can create really good caricatures of most people. I wish that's the because, hair yeah. was better, but that... The hair is the, the, hair is the real problem yeah, there, for sure. A, I think that's just the kind of maker that it is makes it difficult. Mm-hmm. But yeah, because they're all, like, primitive polygonal yeah. shapes for the hair. But that's true, is it's way easier to make versions that feel honest to the truth of... Uh, your body when that is put through the filter of a style rather than uh we are trying to like create bodies and we've just based because basically almost all character creators up to this point have just been we've made like four bodies and you can adjust a few different things yep the the me character creator is the only character creator where i've made a version of myself that i like feel okay about a really cute me it looks just like you my everyone just needs better hair just better hair and better glasses Mm-hmm. Oh, glasses and character creators. Oh, yeah, they don't have any good options for that. The hilarious thing about video games in 2015 was the Bloodborne character creator. You can put glasses on, but the glasses actually are tied to the facial structure. So if you change the shape <laughs> of the face, the glasses will start to warp, <laughs> and it's amazing. Oh, that's oh, good. Uh, I just remember lots of times being younger saying, I want myself with my glasses. And all the time, the glasses would clip through the hair. Every single time. I mean, I don't, we're not at the point where we can solve that problem. I know, but it frustrated me as a, as a kid. Uh, always been frustrated with character creators. And I tend because I used to try to create myself, but now then I used to started like, creating uh, generally, I'm going to play as a cute girl, because um, that would work out way better. Uh, and that's t- now I tend to just decide uh, in a broader range of what character am I making? Like I choose it as a character creation rather than creation of a form of myself that I can express myself in. Yeah, yeah I, I think it depends on the game. Yeah, I was yeah. to say I don't make myself anymore. I just, I mean, I want them to look a little like me in the sense of like it'd be. I just want to make a black woman, but I don't want her to look like me. I don't want it to be me. Yeah, that's a little different. Well, because for me, it went from like trying to create the actual myself to trying to create like versions of myself, uh, but uh, like that look different. I don't look anything like me, but felt honest to me. Mm-hmm. And now, just I just to create this is a character that I have made, and there's a disconnect, and I feel okay about that. Um, I think it's worth pulling up as part of this in our things to read is uh, Gita Jackson's thing about creating rihanna over and over in character creators because uh, she can't make herself and evan narcissus um the natural oh right yes uh, which is again a long article about character creators and specifically in relation to black hairstyles yeah because uh oof. Oof. yeah mm-hmm. uh i also i like when games also give me the opportunity to customize pre-made characters uh i guess one that i would like the example i'd go for this is i like being able to control what i am wearing in gta 4 for example 
for me for me the beautiful example of that and i guess we'll include the picture is yes the way that you can design your characters in sleeping dogs oh yeah yeah yeah. where you have to play as specific guy but a that game is like one of the only games that like comes out of the west that does asian people any justice at all yep as like diversity of like faces and bodies but also, you could put your guy in the most ludicrous outfits, and so I just had him running around in a hoodie and a hat, looking like the most shitty man the entire game. <laughs> like his undercover, his undercover persona is just like douchebag in the hat and glasses all the time. <laughs> so good. So good. I like when games are giving like instead of going the route of okay, create your character, make it decide what they look like, decide like like they create a character and present it to you, and then you are then able to refine the expression of that. Uh, yeah, I like that a lot. I just think what that needs, obviously, is a greater range of characters that are made. Uh, I feel like I don't know if this is true because I think there's always a. This isn't exactly true because there's a place for character creators always, but when there is a greater diversity of characters, full stop in games, the need to have be able to create uh, just a blank slate character goes away as a little bit. But that's. I mean, there's like yeah. there's still going to be there's games st- where that's called for. Yeah, no, hundred percent. That's what I mean. But I, st- I think that a lot of times it's a, like, we don't have, these are not experiences and bodies that are represented in games, so the only times they're able to exist is when they're, like, hacked together in a character creator that won't allow them. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, that's a way larger systemic problem than just the abilities of character creators. Yeah. But at the very least, give us gender and skin color options. Right. Yep. For the love of Christ. Good, uh range of body sizes yes yep please please thank you
game club this month is Expand, which is a 2015 oh, right. game. What? I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> which is a 2015 game by uh, Chris Johnson and uh, with music by Chris Larkin. Jackson, you brought us this game. I brought us this game. Why did you bring us this game? Well, <laughs> uh, it was in an article on Kotaku Australia about two games from two friends, one of which was a uh, massive breakaway success, which was Hacknet, and one of which was Expand, which was the original like hit at a pack show where everyone was like, oh, man, you've got to play this because uh, Expand is very self-explanatory when you touch it as a cool thing, but ended up doing pretty much nothing upon its release and wasn't really picked up any site, so it kind of died a death, and I thought that was a shame, and I wanted to go check it out, and we have done so! Hooray! So Expand is a a slow-motion action game in which you uh, play a pink square in a black-and-white world that tries to avoid being crushed and tries to avoid red things as you navigate, like, a labyrinth that slowly unfolds in, like, a circuit. Like, all of the world is circular, and you're rotating around it, and you're trying to get from one point to the other and not get murdered. Uh, while the while the, like, American beauty of video game soundtracks plays beneath <laughs> <it>. <laughs> The Thomas Newman score. Yeah. It's actually a really good soundtrack, but it's, like, it's so present because the game is so minimal and oftentimes is, like, really ornate and beautiful in a way that the game doesn't really seem to, like, warrant on its own at first glance. That I, the first, like, level, I was like, this is the most overwrought way to score a game like this I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. But it kind of fits the gameplay. Like, it... Sometimes you can use the music to kind of guide you along the puzzles. Oh, for sure. And I actually really like the soundtrack. And I actually do feel like it fits the game. But at first blush, it just seems so incongruous and weird. Uh, yeah, a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I mean, to me, when I played it, I thought it was a clear riff on things like Journey. Yes, for sure. In terms of just, but, we are gonna like way more minimalist. But the journey score matches the lushness of its world in like this really organic way, where the two feel joined. Mm-hmm. And this is definitely not that. I I actually think movement wise, there's a lot in expand that is similar to journey. Uh, but we'll talk about it. So expand is kind of like like a slow motion action game. Uh, I think Jackson, you pitched it to me as like super hexagon, but in slow motion, which I love super hexagon. So I was on board. Yeah, you do. I do. Super hexagon is one of the greatest games ever made. It's true. Like I've heard. list the perfect video games, Tetris, super hexagon. And then I'm out of things that are perfect. Um, Halo. Chess. <laughs> Halo is not a perfect game. <laughs> okay. I was like, wait, is that just going to be ignored and I'm just going to be the person that said Halo was a perfect video nope. game? That's the worst fate. Nope. Uh, CSGO 1.7 beta, whatever. <laughs> oh, that's a quality joke, what you just made there. Yeah. Well I don't done. get it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry I hope about you it. never do. It'll be innocence lost <laughs> yeah. here on Abnormal Mapping the day Destiny gets a the dumb Counter-Strike joke. Okay. I am barely qualified to make said joke, so... I know! <laughs> yep. Uh, but yeah, we, we played it. Uh, we played it a couple weeks ago now. 
feels like forever. Yep. Uh, that's in part it's because I it took me about ninety minutes to play through expand. So short game took me about two hours. Mm-hmm. I didn't finish it because it took me days and days, and it was really hard. Yeah, and I think that comes to. I guess I'll get into it. Uh, the core. Uh, challenge of expand as achieving what it wants to achieve because i think when it works it's fantastic it's this dance-like movement through these uh, mazes of puzzles set to uh this music that never stops and it does it gives that journey-esque feeling of yeah sorry uh journey-esque feeling of uh conquering an environment through moving uh your way through it uh the world is antagonistic towards you but eventually you understand the world and there's this like symbiotic relationship between you and it and it is preceded with this uh, big momentous catharsis at the end where everything reaches a climax and it's it's an emotional moment it managed to to convey those things through this very minimal aesthetic and way more minimal than journey ever ever was and i feel like that is the central like experiment of the game in a way and uh but the way the thing working against that is that a lot of the puzzles are, to me at least, incredibly hard. And there are a few bits, especially in the end of World 3, where I'm just doing this puzzle like over and over again, like 20 times, 30 times. And when you're doing that, the feeling of uh, being in tune with the world and it being this emotional experience, it just is replaced with this wall of frustration uh, as it the uh, things it demands of you outstrip what you are willing to give to it. And it's it's a shame. It's a really beautiful game, like mood wise, atmosphere wise. Yeah. It's just some of those puzzles you just yeah, you get re it's easily discouraging to have to repeat yourself over and over because when you make a mistake it kinda starts you at the last checkpoint and your uh little um I don't know how to describe it, but the circle that you're running around in it shifts is it clockwise or counterclockwise i guess it's clockwise yeah, yeah it I shifts think. about 30 percent each time Mm-hmm. and so it like changes the angle changes the angle at which you're playing which kind it, of it, disoriented me I it doesn't shift 30 percent. it shifts based according to your current position oh okay that makes sense to me that, that is like key to it because i think it allows like if your problem is that you have a hard time making x movement it changes the movement you have to make mm-hmm. uh because the game is more about re like environmental awareness than it is muscle memory yeah yes. no you're absolutely right like and it wants you to be patient and deliberate it wants you to either sometimes it wants you to rush through and it does a really good job of teaching you that which is why i can't completely say the game was bad uh because I think if I had given it a little more time, I probably would have figured it out. But I just, I got way too frustrated. And that says way more about me than it does the game. I think it says a bit about both. I think the game is going for this very broad, and it's very successful at capturing this uh, accessible emotional state, uh, which is very clear about communicating it. But it is also a very, um, what's the word? Yeah, like it's still a challenging puzzle game. And movement game and it's not actually a platformer but it, it it trades in those same circles and what it asks of you and i think that's why when you played it matt you didn't that's like the difficulty of it didn't like there was a bit you got stuck on but it didn't come into the question as 
a limiting factor? So my experience with Expand, if you'll let me just run away with the narrative for five minutes or so. Of course. Is like, Expand is like being in a relationship. <laughs> in that <laughs> Here we go. The, the push and pull... I'm not... It's not about our relationship, Destiny. Don't... Oh, no, no, no. I just... I, I Wherever you're going, it went way loftier than I expected, and I'm really excited. I wasn't being judgmental. Please proceed. I will subscribe to your think piece. So <laughs> the the point of the game is to escape the oncoming rush of whatever is going to kill you if you dawdle. But so much of the game is about this tension of the world will meet out just enough of the environment for you to see ahead and then basically like invite you to play in that space and if you rush too far ahead most of the times where i got stuck and had a hard time it was because i was getting ahead of myself and trying to like rush through the environment and not taking my time to explore it was laid out before me and so much about that game's uh rhythm is about living on this margin between rushing ahead and falling like into danger because you can't see where you're at or dawdling too far and being caught by like the eventual sweep of the things rushing at you that it feels really exhilarating to play in that space of like patient excitement where there's you know that there's more coming up and you know that you'll be able to tackle it because you've tackled everything before and in the moment where you feel like the danger coming at you and the things that are in the world that are like obstacles to navigate, there's still a lot of space to play. And like Jackson said, the game devolves a lot into like feelings of dance, which is kind of how I feel it relates to Journey, where Journey is a explicit platform of trying to get up a mountain. But so much of that game is about the freedom of movement in how you relate to the space where often it just feels like you're flying and spinning and gliding. And these are like dancing terms or like move, like expressive movement terms that have nothing to do with like climbing over obstacles and crossing bridges uh, and more about how you feel free and how open your relationship of like your movement through a space is. And expand does that really well to the point where by the end of the game, I was like, it, it can get really challenging and the end is like this big crescendo and I felt really connected to like doing the things the game was asking at the speed at which they were asking them and you go through it and you slowly start to like grow out of the space like you get further and further out and the, the levels start shrinking down into the middle circle that represents like the center of the game world and then finally you run out of things to do and it's just your square in the whiteness with the circle there and there's no more like things to engage with the levels are done they've all expanded ex they've all contracted into the circle and you're just that square slowly like circling the center of the stage and you can like be there and exist in that space and nothing happens like the music's drifted off because it reached the end of its conclusion and you're just orbiting the circle and you can touch it and nothing happens when normally that would like kill you in the levels. Uh, and the game doesn't actually do anything else until you go off the screen. And it's like this weird, like you approach the circle as the square and you go through this huge dance and all of these complex movements. And at the end, like it doesn't have anything left for you. Like you've exhausted the ability of these two objects to interact in the way that the game allows it to. And the only way to like finish the game is to leave it. And then there's nothing left. And like, to me that like 
the metaphor of that, and maybe that's because of the music, uh, and the way that I felt about his movements is so much about like the interchange between two beings, the being being yourself and the level vis-a-vis like the circle in the middle vis-a-vis like the creator of the game, that that dialogue I felt was like a really intimate thing, but like uh, kinesthetically intimate, not necessarily like a, like thematically intimate because the game doesn't really have theme much, but that doesn't change like the acts of the game feeling intimate to me. Uh, I agree. I read it slightly differently in the... Uh, so I wrote a short thing about it, which will probably be on the site, I don't know, uh, that also hooked onto this kind of idea. But I read it less of an, as a like allegory for a relationship or something, but it's more about uh, the ways we become accustomed to the uh, hostility of our own spaces. Like, this game feels a lot like moving into a new city that is terrible in a lot of ways and eventually coming to learn it and then missing it when you're gone um because the game is hostile towards you and the at the start you're like you don't move right everything feels wrong you are a square in the circle world and you are like this wrong body in a place that is designed with no regard for you but by the end of it you have learned to attune yourself to the rhythms and feeling of this place that is around you and when it when like all you wanted at the start is to escape it and get through it and like conquer it but then at the end you realize that it was more of a like you say a relationship between you two and it's exploring this uh symbiosis between the two halves there and it yeah so it leaves me with this bittersweet feeling at the end when you realize oh i'm i'm now rid of the thing that i wanted to be rid of at the start so and there was actually a lot of value there. I've never really seen it as like, like I never got the sense that I wanted to be rid of it. Like I know objectively your goal is to like escape from the level, but so much that like that game slowly rolls out its mechanics. So it's like you, you are invited into the space and then it will teach you all the various aspects of how it can interact with you. And then ask you to put them all together in this like final moment where like the end of that game is like some of the most stunning, yeah. it, like levels and shapes and the way that it all correlates together into like something that's really beautiful as you move through it. But the end of that game, as with a lot of that game is a lot of a wall that is coming to like pushing you ahead. And it is, that feels like the world is chasing you and you have to run in order to keep ahead of it. So, I've, I've never thought of the is chasing, like the world wants you to be as dynamic as it's presenting the challenge. Like the challenges are an invitation to like excel. Like to me, that was a game that is built around making you and thus it as interesting and beautiful and on the edge of danger as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, f- I guess I found it more because I obviously found it harder. Yeah, uh, found it more antagonistic than that. And because uh, I basically, outside of that bit in the third level where everyone got stuck, uh, found it to be like <laughs> relatively straightforward. Like I, fe- I thought of it as like a really kind game. Like it's a game that wants you to like be awesome and it be awesome in your interactions with it. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Do you have any other thoughts, Destiny? I felt like it was more about just someone trying to almost uh, fighting assimilation or like at first like wanting to fit in and then not wanting to fit in like oh you have to evade all these things 
and I don't know, like I don't know, like I don't I don't actually know how the story ended, but just the overall like vibe of it. Yeah, no, I really liked this game. I don't know for something I didn't finish, liked it. Mm-hmm. It's a cool thing. Yeah, I I really like this game, uh, but that part of that experience was I kind of just flew through it in two sittings and had a great time. I played it in one sitting because I knew when it was getting hard that if I took a break, I would never finish it. Mm. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's probably I what going. I shouldn't have done. I just should have kept going. Mm-hmm. I played the first two levels, and then the second time I played three and four, and then the ending. So, yeah, it's a it's a cool thing. The moment, uh, the first moment in which your movement changes the size of the world. Oh, where it begins expanding and contracting out. Yep. Yeah. yeah, is so good. Yeah. That's that's the one of the best things that game does in terms of like, a, like, like it's almost disorienting at first, but well, it, it's the moment that the game and the world of the game stops being a thing that dictates your movement to a part where your movement dictates the world of the game. Yeah, and it is that shift that is like the core of uh, what like expand is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because otherwise it it would just be like an obstacle course, and instead, to me, is like a negotiation of your movement versus what the level is presenting to you. Yeah, because when you get to the third and fourth worlds, it's you moving yourself in order to adjust the world to allow you through as well as you uh, meeting the challenges of the world. Yeah. And it, it's no longer you controlling a single body in a space. Yep. You're like controlling it all yep. uh, together. Yeah. Yeah. I think you should buy it because no one did, and it, that's a shame. It's really it's good. Buy it, uh, people. It's, really good. it's an inexpensive game, and it, it's it's a good time. Yeah, hundred percent. Cool, cool game. Hashtag cool games. Cool games for cool people. Cool games for cool babies. <laughs> What's up, you cool babies? We can't just steal other podcast bits. It makes heard us you, uh, happy, though. <laughs> heard you were playing some cool games. Cool baby. All right. That's it. Goodbye, expand, onward and upward to bigger and better things. segment of this podcast it's a little i always feel like it's a little melancholy when we get to segment four am i the only one podcast is ending the podcast is a little of a bummer the podcast is ending part of the reason that's a bummer is that no one ever sends us questions if you want us if you want us to not be sad you can send us questions to podcast at normalmapping.com and uh we do have one question jackson could you give us that single lone question in this bleak world in which nobody loves us (laughs) <laughs> One question has reached us in the blackness of space, <laughs> which is from Alan Abraham. What games could you see yourself showing to your hypothetical children someday? Which is great, because I don't think any of us have that planned. 
Uh, we'll roll with the scenario. But I have I, opinions about how I would raise a child. I have <laughs> of that. course you do. I have nephew. I have a nephew. I'll probably have more nieces and nephews in the future. That's an assumption. What are you gonna give to that baby? Well, when he's old enough, he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna see some. I mean, I already have cousins. He's gonna that are see just, some shit. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's gonna see some. He's seen things. Well, okay, let me interrupt that to just say, like, I have a an eight-year-old cousin who's super into watching let's plays of mario games she's never played one but man does she will she watch the heck out of a let's play destiny i want to interrupt you please teach your nephew as soon as possible to recite that speech from blade runner yeah, i can do that as soon as he learns yep. to talk yep that, that seems fair <laughs> it seems reasonable. blade runner's a great kids movie yeah, no, kids love it. No, kids, no, no, don't show him Blade Runner. It. Just film him reciting the speech. <laughs> All right, I'll get him. I'll get him to do that. In the rain. I've yeah. seen things. That's the line. <laughs> In the rain. <laughs> Famous Blade Runner line. That's, that's the best Cowboy Bebop song is In the Rain. Anyway, <laughs> uh, no, uh, Mario games... I mean, like, they're all going to probably be really, really literate in Minecraft. So That's you, true. You want to show them stuff that they're not going to know about. So just the older, the better, right? Like, I don't know. I can't think of anything specific. I just feel like in the world of YouTube, they're going to be able to find a lot of stuff on their own. So if they ask me about stuff, the, the things I want to show them, it's going to be stuff like Mario and Zelda... I mean, I'm having a lot of fun just showing my 10-year-old cousin around Animal Crossing New Leaf. Like, Animal Crossing is a great one. Yeah, it's not even an old game. It's just something that she got interested in through seeing commercials. And like every time I see her now, she's talking to me about Animal Crossing. So the appeal with children is that you get like a blank <laughs> slate that has no culture, right? Like you get to give it culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm never going to stop laughing. <laughs> Uh, the appeal with children. <laughs> Look, so the thing with children. <laughs> so, uh, like, there's always like the. Let me talk ner- to you about the first child, Jackson. <laughs> shut up and let me talk. Okay. There's the thing with nerd like parents where it's like, oh, I'm going to give them all the things I had and in the correct order, and it's like yeah. I'm not actually really interested in that. Like, they might come to it, and I'd like them to appreciate the things I liked at least a little bit, but in reality, I'd like them to have their own culture, but. Think of what it'd be like to be raised with video games where, like, a cool educational thing on an iPad can exist next to, like, Bloodborne, can exist next to The Sims, can exist. And, like, you don't have any of the context of, like, this is, or, like, you know, you go to The Sims, like, this is a game for girls. Or you go to Bloodborne, it's like, this is a hardcore game that'll teach you to be the best. Like, it's tough but fair. Like, what does it look like when all games are equal to you? And you don't have any of the ideas where, like, The Witcher is like a twenty, like a hundred hour, sixty dollar video game. But then you have a thing on the iPad where you touch things and cool stuff happens, and that costs ninety nine cents. And what if you grew up thinking those things were equal, like equivalent in worth in your eyes? Uh-huh. And like, I think giving that to a child, like, if you raised a generation to think that way, video games would be in such a better place. Oh my god, it'd be pretty cool. <laughs> I agree. I don't really have anything else to add to that. No, I just think... And, and I think at some point, it's kind of going to be like that. You know? Also, I would teach my kid how to play Kerbal Space Program because I don't have the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'd love to watch them. Time for. 
Jackson? Uh, I have a yeah, I have a similar thing in terms of like you don't want to actually push things on anyone because that's not a thing to do as a kid. Well, uh, I mean, kids. it's not pushing; it's just showing. Oh yeah, but like uh, you hear this thing of I've heard this from multiple people like okay, my kids growing up, I'm gonna show them the NES game, then they're gonna play the the SNES games, then they're gonna play the PlayStation games. They're gonna get the true development of video games, by which they mean their own experience of how thing growing up was, like. Uh, Gary Wood has been on Bombcast doing talks about yeah I played the, the first Mario and the second Mario and the third Mario he's going to go through that before he gets to the new games and uh, that's a super prescriptivist way to raise a kid in any kind of media uh, literacy that I don't agree with but uh, yeah I would, I would love the idea of just equalizing what video games are and separating them from uh, the broader culture I already feel like there's some of that like when listening to certain podcasts or certain people talk about things in that uh, someone brings up, hey, I've played this game, but removed from the baggage of the conversation that's been around it. Just like, it's a cool thing when, say, you know, oh, the, the thing I'm specifically referencing right now is in Idle Thumbs recently, they've been talking about Just Cause. Uh, completely removed from any of the conversation about Just Cause and the problems with it. And just, no, it's, it's cool in these ways. And I've approached it and it, it's been a complete uh, just thing that I've discovered. And you'd want to try to work to allow that to exist in whatever... Uh, I also think a valid option is never letting your child touch video games at all. Oh yeah, I mean, like I've I've had a lot of uh, moments with people in my life where their parents look at them and go, "I should have never bought you that thing." It's not even that. It's <laughs> a, like one. I think like in a lot of like I don't want to tell my child how to spend their free time, but I'd like to expose them to other ways to entertain themselves than dump time into a video game and what i absolutely want to avoid is the absolutely upsetting beast cast playing with cars email from the other week in which someone sent them an email about they were playing cars with their kid and their kid had internalized the idea of like free to play and energy mechanics where they had to wait for the cars game that they were playing on the carpet with like actual matchbox cars to load and then some of the cars were unavailable because they hadn't bought them yet like the things you can teach your kid if you were not careful about what kind of media they ingest is like the most poisonous thing in the world i would never want my child to interface with video games in which like pay money to unlock a thing is a thing they just like know from when they are young i'm sure like you know when he gets old enough they'll have a talk about how that's yeah but not how... but like what do, what do we what do we what kind of like generation are we raising where kids think that's like just a normal matter of course and have internalized it into how they play imaginatively like I guess, I the mean, limits that, the limits that, that puts happens. on somebody oh but i mean that like, happens in a, in a lot of things like like the shifting of boundaries generationally with what is acceptable uh happens all the time like and... we would we would quote commercials and play with them and our parents were probably like boo but it's like well i mean i mean it's not be exposed i don't think to it's that. a good thing i think that like especially with there isn't with games there's less of a framework like legally for what you can and can't say so they're starting to do that but essentially games that were cheap and f- or free and marketed at children have been for a long time a like capitalism just indoctrination simulator because i remember when i was younger playing habbo hotel and people not realizing that they are just encouraging you to just call up and buy thousands of pounds worth of shit in this video game and that is normalized to you and yeah that's that is a messed up thing and i don't know like i don't know how to solve that 
I want my child to like more than anything recognize that their own imagination takes precedence over like something that's being sold to them and to like question what it means when someone is like trying to get you to give them something for something. Uh-huh. And that's not just capitalism, that's like how people interact. Like that's like a consent argument on some level too, right? Like it's so important to like teach a child those values first before you subject them to advertisement. Yep. I guess my thing is like you say that, but it's so hard to control. Well, that's why I don't want children. <laughs> I don't think that's like a big deal. Like I guess I think, the thing is like, it's, it's not going deal. to ruin a child. It's not like, going to ruin a child, but when every child is raised like that, what does that like what does that create a generation of? It's like people who are even more okay than we are and we're already like doomed in how okay we are with like the ways that are like we are abused by the culture we've lived in. Well, I mean, I just feel like a kid can be taught differently. Like, if even if like they start out that way, I'm they can sure. be. But like, I I would like the kind of care that that invo- that creates is like really involved, and it's part of like making sure your child consumes like media that doesn't like normalize that stuff, and then teaching them that when that stuff happens, it's bad and like should be questioned. Mm-hmm. How do you ensure your child is woke? <laughs> yeah, I guess that, like that's actually the, the the thing that I would be most I mean, concerned that's, with. That's that's parenting. Like <laughs> that's the question. You, you yeah. have to learn. Like that's something you have to figure out and navigate. That's the like, challenge. That's a part of being a parent. It's 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 hard, but I think it's it's definitely doable. Oh, I'm I know it's doable. It's like the cost for me has always been the thing that I'm like, I don't think I could devote myself to another human being that much. Oh, uh, and I I'd, I'd rather not be a parent than be a bad parent. <laughs> Mm. No, I get you. That's that's the thing. No, I totally get. That's why I don't have them. Instead, I'm gonna get a dog because dogs are easy to get woke. Yeah, dogs, <laughs> are woke. dogs are halfway there. They know what's up. No, they are living on a prayer. <laughs> so, uh, thanks, Alan. That's a, that was a good question. <laughs> yeah, it was a good question. Good talk. Good discussion. So, next month, in honor of Valentine's Day, where we play our now it, it's the third time, so it's actually the thing we do. It's actually a tradition. We play an ultra-violent game. We are playing Jackson's favorite game of all time. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess. I'm not joking. I I, I didn't mean that in farce. I, like, is that not it? it? It is the favorite game from my teen years. Okay. I don't know. Like, it'll always have that spot and nothing will ever be able to replace it just because of my relation to it. Yeah, you know, but... Jackson's childhood favorite, Ninja Gaiden Black. Which you can get on uh, an Xbox or an Xbox 360 via the Marketplace. Or I guess you could even play Ninja Gaiden Sigma for your PlayStation 3. Yep. It's a different game, but it's similar enough. Man, some of the quality of life changes that you described to me make that sound very appealing. Oh yeah, they just put save points everywhere. God damn it. Uh, And a shop near the end. And a a shop near the end. (laughs) Um, But we will talk about that next month. Uh, In the meantime... Please enjoy Abnormal Mapping. There will be another Metal Gear podcast coming up, Jackson, right? Yes. And uh, Alexandra can talk about Metal Gear 2. As usual, you can check out the YouTube channel. Jackson is playing Mario by the time this comes out still. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I'm playing Fallout, and uh, Zelda 2 is going, and Freedom Planet will be coming soon by me. Um, where can you find everyone, Destiny? At FridgeBuzz now on Twitter and on BadlandGirls.com. Jackson. Uh, at Headfuls Off on Twitter and at headfulsoff.com as well as trashfitratio.com and goof.zone. 
And you can find me on Twitter at EM underscore being. Uh, I don't really go anywhere else. I'm not on, I guess I'm on other shows, but they don't matter. Um, check out, uh, no, I, I was going to do my Let's Play thing. Check out Abnormal Mapping, which is what I say, but you're already here. Uh, rate and review us on iTunes or <laughs> yes, can you rate on Stitcher? I don't fucking know. Uh, tell your friends. That's how we get the word out. We're a grassroots podcast. We don't advertise and we don't know anybody important. So, uh, you know, <laughs> if you tell two people and they tell two people and they tell two people, this podcast will be over. Thanks again, everybody. <laughs> Bye. Bye.